Welcome to Kishwaukee Bible Church. So let's, uh, let's come to the Lord together and, and um, pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you and praise you. We thank you for sending Jesus into this world on our behalf. Emmanuel, God with us. And now that Jesus has come, we want to respond. We want to come and sit at his feet together. And Lord, we are so grateful for him. And we look to him. And today as we come, would you help us to take our distractions and lay them at Jesus' feet? Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So, as I mentioned at the beginning, I want to thank actually Cheryl Shashow had sent us an uh, email a few weeks back and said, hey, it seems like we, we come to Advent and then boom, it's over and then we move on. And it really got me to thinking, it's true. It's so easy to have this buildup during Advent season to the coming of Christ and then to, to just move on. And, and we don't want to do that. Uh, we want to think about the fact that, that Advent is Christ coming, Emmanuel with us. And now we want that. He didn't come. Jesus didn't come just so we could celebrate him at Christmas time. He came so that we could be in a living and vital relationship with him. We could come day by day to him. And I really felt that Luke 10, verses 38 to 42, as I, as I read through that, it just really speaks to that. And so if you will, open up your Bibles to Luke 10, chapter 38. Or chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And, and today's passage is a, is a contrast between two sisters, Mary and Martha. They are the sisters of Lazarus, whom Jesus would later raise from the dead. Both of them are loved by Jesus, John eleven five 5 tells us. Both of them believe in Jesus, but one has an undistracted devotion to Jesus, and one is completely distracted. One is busy with earthly things, and one is simply sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him. It's a contrast between spirit and flesh, between having a heavenly mindset and an earthly mindset. And now, it's certainly not wrong to be serving, which Martha was doing, but we'll see in the passage that it's the attitude of the heart and what motivates us in that serving. And how we engage Jesus and the time we spend with him will have a dramatic effect in how we engage the world around us. And when we take the time to really sit at his feet and listen to him, then we will be changed people. And we will engage Jesus, engage God, love God, and love people, as he says that we should. So I want to read that passage again, and we're going to look at hospitable Martha to start with. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Hospitable Martha, we learn from John 11 that this village that he mentions in verse 38 is Bethany. 
And as I mentioned, Mary and Martha are the sisters of, of Lazarus, and Jesus loved them. And Martha, we can see, has the gift of hospitality. It's obvious. She has welcomed Jesus into her home, so we need to, we need to acknowledge that. Jesus is in her home. She said, Jesus, come. But she's distracted, and we're going to look at that in just a few minutes. Her sister, Mary, has a little bit different attitude and heart attitude than and she does. We have quiet Mary, verse 39. Mary, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Well, Martha's about serving, busy, distracted. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And first and foremost, Mary has come to Jesus and she's finding her rest in him. She's displaying her faith in him and her absolute dependence upon him. She's saying, Jesus, you are my Lord. I am going to sit and listen to you. I'm going to take the time. I can't handle what's in my life, but you can. And I'm going to lay it down at your feet. The feet is the place of the disciple, sitting at the, the feet of the teacher. In Luke 8, 35, the man who Jesus had just delivered from demon possession is seen sitting at his feet. And Paul in Acts 22 says that he was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers being zealous for God. So Mary is zealous for God. She wants to hear from him. Her heart's desire is to hear and to be near him. And she desires his presence, and she will not let anything distract her. She's submissive to him, and she is focused on his words, and she's eager to learn and follow him. You notice the word and. She's sitting at his feet and listening to his word. You cannot separate Jesus and his word. She sat and listened. If we want to experience the presence of Jesus, we must have faith in him, and we have to spend time in his word. We must set aside our distractions. We must bring them to him and sit at his feet and listen to his word. We must say, Jesus, what you have to say is the most important thing in my life, and I will sit at your feet and listen to you. It's not an easy thing to do. As I confessed before you on my way in, I was very distracted this morning. I think I ate my breakfast in three minutes today, probably because I stayed up till midnight and got up a little after six. And, but we all can get distracted, and um, we just need to take a step back and say, Jesus, I choose to sit and listen to you in this moment. We see a contrast as we move on to verse 40, distracted Martha. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The word but is the word of contrast. We have quiet Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, but Martha was distracted. Instead of being calm and peaceful and submissive and listening, she is distracted. And the Greek word here is very interesting for distracted. It's the only time that it's used in the New Testament. It's a Greek word, perispao. I don't know if I'm uh, pronouncing that right. Dave could correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. But it literally means to drag around. You could picture a prisoner being dragged in chains. It means to be distracted in mind, to be dragged, to be controlled. Martha is being controlled by her emotions and her circumstances, and she's letting that dictate how she responds. 
She's so concerned with making everything just perfect, she's missing the big idea. The king of kings is sitting in her living room, and he's teaching about the kingdom of God, and she's worried about the plates being set right and the food being just right. Again, those aren't bad things, but her heart is not focused as Mary's is. She's distracted in her mind, and she can't hear the word of God. And then we have to ask ourselves, what distracts me from hearing the word of God? What are the circumstances in my life that keep me from just sitting down at the feet of Jesus? Am I too busy? Well, I have to make time with Jesus a priority. Now, Martha's distraction doesn't just stay in her heart, but it flows out into her actions. And then we look at the next part of this passage. He says, it says, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Very, very interesting. Her distraction moves her to go and speak to Jesus. And there's four things that we can notice about her distracted heart. Number one, it leads to a distorted view of Jesus. She's not having the intake of hearing his word. She's viewing him out of her own grid. And so she has a distorted view of him. She says, Lord, do you not care? She's doubting the character of Jesus. She assumes because things aren't what she expects or, does, or wants, then Jesus doesn't care. In her mind, somehow, she's failing, he is failing to love her in, in this moment. Have you ever doubted God's love for you? It's easy for our mind to wonder at times, where is God in this situation? If God really cares about me, then how in the world can this thing be going on in my life? Is he punishing me? Questions can go on and on. And our fleshly minds interpret our events through the grid of our circumstances. We look at what's going on, and we, we, we view them, and we look at them, and we say, Jesus, don't you care about me? And it doesn't stop there. It goes to having a judgmental view of her sister. Instead of admiring her sister for spending time with Jesus, she's judging her for not helping her. She's left me alone to serve. I'm doing all the work, and she's just being lazy, sitting down at your feet. She's gazing into her sister's heart, and she's decided that what she's doing is wrong and selfish. In reality, Martha is being wrong and selfish. And it causes her to act out of selfishness and pride. She's leaving me alone to serve, and I'm doing all the work. Me, me, me. Have you ever felt this way? I know I have. We feel like we're doing all the work, and no one's going to step in and help us, and I'm doing it, and I'm doing it. And, and then we just have to step back. Whoa, what am, I, what am I doing? And then from there, another step further in the progression of her distraction, it leads her to try and impose her will on Jesus and her sister. She says, Jesus, tell her to stop sitting at your feet and help me. Isn't that crazy? But we've all done that, haven't we? God, if you do this, then I will do this. I'll serve you. If you can work this situation out for me, then, you know, I'll, I'll spend more time with you. If you can change what's going on in my life, this whole mess, I'm going to really worship you. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna... We have to stop. Our circumstances potentially could never get better. 
We can hope and pray that they do, but sometimes they're not going to get better. We need to be like David in Psalm 9, when surrounded by his enemies and in the midst of times of trouble, he says this, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Notice I emphasize the I wills. A heart that is centered on Jesus and trusting in his loving care can say what David says in the midst of the worst of circumstances. And I'm not saying we can't pray for circumstances to change. We should do that. God cares about our circumstances. We can pray that he will move his hand and bring us through and, and change what it is that's, that's going on that's so horrible. But we don't need to wait until things are just right and good until we worship him. We can experience him in the midst of our circumstances. And let's look how Jesus responds. Verses 41 and 42. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion which will not be taken away from her. Jesus doesn't respond to her in anger. He doesn't say, Martha, knock it off. How dare you question me? You know, again, that's our fleshly response. And I really got convicted as I just read that and thought about that. How often I, when things aren't going the way I want, or I, or I'm, uh, that's my response. It's like, well, how dare they? But that's not the response of Jesus. Jesus knows our hearts. He knows our shortcomings, he knows our sin, and yet he's gentle and gracious with us. He sees our sinful hearts, and in his grace, he touches us. He knows our shortcomings and our weaknesses, and he speaks with words of love. He sees that we've been neglecting spending time with him, and yet he calls us by his name tenderly. Have you been neglecting Jesus? Know that he doesn't punish you in his anger. He compassionately calls your name. You could insert your name in here where he says, Martha, Martha. You could put your name in there. And hear Jesus calling to you. He loves you. He wants you to bring your distracted heart to him and sit at his feet. Jesus cuts to the chase. He looks into our hearts and he sees what motivates us. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Jesus' diagnosis of Martha is spot on. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. As we open the word of God, it's the very word of Jesus. And just as Jesus looked into Martha's heart, spoke to her heart, so he can do that with us, and he does do that with us. He says, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And there's the diagnosis. She's got trouble in her heart. She's anxious. She's troubled. And it's born out of a heart that is being dragged around by her circumstances. 
She sees her sister sitting at Jesus' feet, and she's serving, and she's upset. As we noted, it led to her distorted view of Jesus and her sister, caused judgmental feelings, and a self-will that would even seek to impose its will on God. But Jesus cuts to the chase. This is coming from the heart. And a heart that's being dragged around by outward circumstances can never be at peace. We inherited this heart from our father Adam and our mother Eve. Sin entered the world when, when Adam and Eve raised their fist at God and said, No, we will not submit to your authority. And they died physically and they died spiritually. Their hearts died. And only in Christ, by the grace of God, by the sovereign will of God, by the Holy Spirit, as we come by faith and we repent of our sins, we say, I can't do it. I repent of my sins, Jesus. Only in that moment are we given a new heart. And it's all the work of God. We're told to come. So, as believers, what is the cure for a distracted heart? Our hearts can only find rest in Christ alone. If we veer off that path, if we find ourselves defining Jesus by our circumstances, then we're seeking to find our comfort in this life and in pleasant circumstances, we'll quickly find that anxiety and trouble in our hearts follows. Jesus gives the answer to the question, what is the cure for a distracted heart? Verse 42, it's by sitting at the feet of Jesus, as Mary has discovered. And notice four things about sitting at the feet of Jesus in verse 42. Jesus says to Martha, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion which will not be taken away from her. First thing is it's necessary. This is not an option. We must come to Jesus by faith. We must sit at his feet and we must listen to him. There's no shortcut. We can't save ourselves and we can't grow in faith apart from Jesus. It takes effort. If we want to grow spiritually, we must eat and drink from the Spirit of God and his word. And we must exercise what we're learning by putting it into action. And again, it's all by the grace of God and it's all through faith in Christ. The scripture says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The second thing is, it's to be chosen. Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good portion. We must make a decision. I will make spending time with Jesus the first priority in my life. You may say, but you don't know my life. I don't have the time. My life's too hectic. I have to get up at 4. I'm in the car at 5. I don't get home from work till 7. I know it's easy. It's, it can be hard. But we have to make a choice. No one has ever been busier than Jesus was, and yet he made time to spend time with the Father. And that's an example that we need to follow. The third thing about sitting at the feet of Jesus, it's good. It's good to spend time with Jesus. That would seem obvious, but it's so easy to let day after day go, and we live and act as if it's not true. We pursue other things that we consider good, and Jesus takes a back seat. Jesus says that Mary has chosen the good portion. And this would have a very deep meaning to the Jewish mind. 
Psalm 16.5 says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. When Jesus said this, he was declaring his divinity. The Lord God is the portion of his people. And Jesus is telling Martha that he is the good portion. And Mary has chosen him. And spending time in God's word just isn't just an intellectual exercise. It's spending time with the living God. And what an incredible privilege that is. To open the word of God and prayerfully meditate upon it, think about it, is to sit at the feet of Jesus. And the fourth thing here is that there is eternal value and blessing to sitting at Jesus' feet. Notice he says, it will not be taken away from her. Everything in life is subject to change, but not the word of God. 1 Peter 1, 13 to 25 declares this, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news, the gospel that was preached to you. So since God's word is eternal, since the gospel is eternal, we do well to pursuing him and making pursuing him and sitting at his feet a priority in our lives. So how can we choose to sit at Jesus' feet? How can we choose to make Jesus first on January 1st? I'm going to give you three C's to consider. One is circumstances, two is communication, and three is Christ-centered response. Number one, let our circumstances, with all the distractions, anxieties, and troubles, drive us to, to Jesus and not away from him. Let's be careful to guard against the mindset that says, this is hard, Jesus is punishing me, Jesus doesn't love me. And like Mary, we need to choose the good portion, a decisive choice to sit at Jesus' feet. By faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we come. We mentioned that our theme today is coming to Jesus. It shows absolute dependence upon him. No matter what it is that's going on in your life, no matter how hard it is, you have to stop. I have to stop. We all have to stop and say, I cannot do it. I can't solve this. I never will be able to solve this, but Jesus can. And this isn't just a 15-minute-a-day thing we do, but it's an all-day thing. It's a walking with Jesus. It's conversing with him throughout our day. The second C is communicate with Jesus. Two ways that God gives us, two primary ways that God gives us to communicate with him, the, our prayer and the word. We have to carve out time in our schedule to sit and listen without distraction. We have to be able to say, okay, here's my schedule, and bring that to Jesus. Here's my schedule. I don't know where I'm going to figure out this time, but I can, we can find time to sit down. We might have to be creative, but to say, I'm going to sit down and open my Bible, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek Jesus. And the third C is a Christ-centered response. As I come and sit at his feet, as I bring him the cares and anxieties that are on my mind, as I open the word and pray and look at a passage and say, what is this passage saying? 
What's it say about God? What's it say about people? What's it say to my situation? How does my situation that I'm thinking about, that this worry, this anxiety that I have, fit into the grand gospel scheme of God? And then pray, God, conform my heart into your word. And my Christ-centered response might be a, a response of thanksgiving. God, thank you that you are in the midst of this with me. It may be a confession and repentance. I may realize, you know what, I've had a wrong attitude. I have sinned against so-and-so, and I need to go talk to them. He may put somebody on your heart or mind that, that needs the gospel, and, and, and you need to prayerfully consider, how can I share the love of Christ with that person? And this is something that, again, is not just a one-time thing. It's coming to Jesus and sitting at his feet. It needs to be a, a habit that we do. So as we come to a close, maybe you already feel that you, you feel good about the time that you're spending with the Lord, and that's awesome, and keep that going. But if you're struggling, you say, I don't even know where to start, try these three C's. Take your Bible, get a notebook, and write them out. Here's my circumstances. Here's what's going on in my life, and here's how I feel about it. And then communicate with the Lord. Okay, Lord, here it is. You know my heart. I'm very anxious about this. I'm thinking about that doctor's appointment in two weeks, and I'm very nervous. I'm thinking about this relationship that I'm in that I'm struggling with. I don't know what to do. And then... Open the word. Take a book of the Bible. Look in the Psalms. Read through the Psalms. Or take the book of John. Take a passage at a time and just ask questions of the passage. What is he saying here? What does it say about God? What does it say about people? And then pray through that. God, what's my response? God, by the Holy Spirit, would you help me to respond as I should for your glory? So as we do that, and again, I'm speaking to myself. This is not a, just a challenge. It's an encouragement. That as a body of Christ together, let's be people that sit at Jesus' feet. Not just on Sunday mornings, but every day. And as we do, we can be confident that Jesus would say about us as he does about Mary, one thing is necessary, and you have chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and again, we confess the distractions of our heart. We confess our anxieties and our troubles, and so often we are dragged around by them. We evaluate your love for us by our circumstances, and we ask your forgiveness. Would you change our heart and mind? Would you help us, God? to cut through the distractions that keep us from Jesus and help us to sit at his feet, to prayerfully open your word, the living and abiding word of God, and read it and pray over it and say, God, conform me into the image of Christ by your spirit. I can't do it. And as we do, you will be glorified. And would you help us to respond in a Christ-like manner. Would you help us to 
be changed. And would you help us to love you and love others as we've been commanded to do. And we know and we acknowledge that we all fall short. We know and we acknowledge that none of this, opening the Bible in and of itself, does not make us right with you. Only by the coming of Jesus to this world, the perfect Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, and dying in our place for our sins and rising again for us, only through him, by your grace, as we come by faith. Only that way are we saved. And only through him can we accomplish anything for your kingdom, and only through him can we set aside our distractions and sit at your feet. Father, we thank you, we praise you, in Jesus' name. for joining us. For more information about our church, please visit our church's website at kishbible.org. That's K-I-S-H-Bible.org.